재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Welcome back. Mondays are fun around here because we get a chance to educate ourselves but also to live vicariously through Yerika Park. She is the sole digital editor for the Michelin Guide and she brings us food and beyond. She cooks, she eats, and she travels and we get to sort of experience it vicariously. Hi, Yerika. Good morning. You've just come back from a little jaunt to Portugal. That's right. And you've got the sort of uh, the, the, the suntan on your skin <laughs> still. I can see, yeah. <laughs> still see the glow. I was on the beach just a few days ago. So. Oh, man. Yeah. So Portugal, is is it roughly similar in climate or is it much more much, much warmer? It's more Mediterranean than Korea, right? Uh, the climate is Mediterranean. The summers in Portugal are, are hot, very dry though, not humid like it is in Korea. Mm-hmm. And uh, the winters are wet and it rains a lot. Um, the temperatures don't go below zero, however. It's, it's, it's quite mild in terms of temperature, but uh, the winters can get quite harsh there because, you know, the humidity and... You know, cold weather don't really go well mm-hmm. together. Um, but yeah, it was wonderful. It was like really hot. Like the, the first couple of days we were there, um, it, the temperature daytime highs reached up to like 40 degrees. Like wow. Really, really hot. <laughs> that is hot. Yeah. No, it's no wonder the locals there, you know, take siestas because yeah. it's just impossible to do anything active during the day. Ooh, let's import that idea to Korea yeah. next, next August. Let's all take a For siesta. For sure. But then the, towards the end uh, of our vacation, the temperature dropped to like... Like, you know, the 20s. So, you know, it was wonderful. I'm, I'm from Massachusetts, and mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of Portuguese people in Massachusetts. Really? Uh, so Portugal, it's always held some, you know, I've never been. I'd love to mm-hmm. go. We, When I was a very little kid, we met, uh, we, we had this friend named uh, Dominic. He was a Portuguese gardener. Right. And we went over to his place one day. And it was just this unbelievably lush garden. Mm-hmm. He had vines, he had grapes, he had yeah. tomatoes, and he made his own sort of table wine. Uh, so it, yeah. it, I've, I've never let go of that memory of the gardens. Did you have gardens over there? Oh you- my goodness. It's, um, I, I, I was visiting this like small town. It's my mother-in-law's hometown. She was born there and she grew up there before she left for Paris when she was 17 years old during the, the dictatorship of Salazar. Um, but uh, every house pretty much has a garden where they grow fresh produce so people there don't go to supermarkets to buy fresh vegetables mm, everything is from the garden sort of sourced, like beef heart yeah. tomatoes lettuce when it's time to make salad which is like at every meal you know i would go next door to my mother-in-law's garden and just pick vegetables from there like Beautiful. gigantic green bell peppers and um all the fruits like apples and figs are everywhere you, you walk along the the road you're in the middle of nowhere. Just, just random the produce. Yeah, they just out. pick figs off the the trees. <laughs> That's and, wonderful. You know, they're still warm from the glow of the sun, and just wonderful. You got to write a book. This yeah. sounds like one of those sort of eat, pray, love type. I books think so. That you and could you write. mentioned wine. That guy, uh, Dominic, was his name. Yeah. Um, he made his own table wine. Locals produced their own wines all the time. I can easily uh, imagine. You know, that. my neighbors have like vineyards. Wow. It, that is their backyard. Well, let's kind of uh, reel this into sure. Korea, and uh, our our point is to kind of do a little uh, compare contrast. Sure. How? Do, where do we start? Obviously, it's coastal seafood. Yeah, and so coastal both countries seafood. Are seafood mad. Um, size wise, Portugal. People are often surprised when I say Portugal is pretty much the same size as Korea mm-hmm. in terms of landmass. It's a small country next to like this gigantic Spain. It's a small country on the Atlantic Ocean, so there's a lot of seafood. Yeah. And uh, as you know, Portugal has always been a seafaring nation with their you know navigators and all that stuff. Um, but uh, there is a huge fishing industry in Portugal. 
Portugal, which means there is an abundance of seafood. And uh, the Portuguese eat a lot of seafood. Uh, the country has Europe's highest fish consumption per capita. Mm. And uh, they are among the top four in the world in terms of uh, seafood consumption. Number one in Europe, number four in the world. They don't do raw seafood, though, do they? Um, no, they don't do raw seafood. Everything is... Oh, they do raw oysters. I they ate a bunch of oysters, oysters yeah. uh, when I was there this time. Um, but when I say food, uh, when I say fish, uh, there's a whole bunch of different varieties of fish. But bacalao, which is cod, is the, is the most prominent seafood there. It's ubiquitous, pretty much. And they, st- they still eat that. I mean, bacalao, oh, yeah. kind of, it's like... Historically important, right? Because that's the dried out salted cod that they would uh-huh. bring across the ocean. Exactly. Um, the the fishing tradition in Portugal in the North Atlantic, it developed before the invention of uh, modern day refrigeration. So back in the days when people caught cod and other fish, they had to salt it in order to preserve it for longer periods of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, the tradition of eating cod is very much linked to their religion because, you know, when meat was like banned... On Fridays. On Fridays, you know, cod was the the main source of uh, protein for Mm -hmm. people. And uh, there are more than a thousand ways of cooking cod in Portugal. So the the way of preserving fish, like salting and drying, it's very similar to how Koreans um, consumed seafood back in the days, right? Again, before the the day of of modern-day refrigeration. You were just telling me the other week about... um how down in Tola they do mm-hmm. this sort of seafood chot kind of thing. Yeah. Prior to refrigeration, that was how you kept uh, seafood Precisely. edible. Precisely, right. And uh, there's a lot of dried fish here in Korea as well, like pugo, and there's huangte here in Korea. Uh, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, how um, Koreans catch pollock and they dry it during the cold winter months. So during the day, the fish would thaw, and oh, during the night, you know, when the temperatures would fall, mm-hmm. the fish would you know, freeze. So, freeze and thaw, freeze and thaw. Exactly. Mm. So the repetition of this process adds like this intense flavor to the fish, which is, you know, grilled or it's steamed after being dehydrated. It's uh-huh. added to soups, et cetera, et cetera. So, We're just a couple of months from Kwamegi season, aren't we? Oh, well, yeah, close to now. A little bit more than a couple of months, but I'm really excited about that. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. Okay, so cod, bacalao, uh-huh. that's sort of the staple seafood, right? Yeah. What do they do with that? Do they just kind of Oh, like I said, or? there are more than a thousand ways. So the first step of preparing um, dried fish, as, it, the same, as is the same in Korea, is you have to soak it in water. Mm. Some people do it in milk. And uh, the soaking process takes a really, really long time because these dried cods are like wood. They're so hard, they have to be, they have to be sawed yeah you know you can't cut it with a knife wow. can't break it with your hands so you have to soak it in water for at least 24 hours you have to continuously change the water and keep it refrigerated um uh, some people do it for more than 24 hours because it's like so salty yeah right the water becomes brine doesn't yeah, it? exactly yeah. so the the reason why people soak the cod is to you know make it supple again it, it kind of like it expands to more than three times mm-hmm. its thickness from dried to uh, rehydrated and then it's also to get rid of the salinity of the fish okay once you've got it rehydrated reconstituted what can you do you can you can bake it in the oven with uh, green onions there's a lot of potatoes in Portugal um, and onions that, that have been caramelized you bake it all in the oven you can fry it they make cod fritters um, with mashed potatoes, um, the the cooked flesh of the, the the bacalao that has been rehydrated, and then they kind of mash it up, mm. and then they form it into like these like o- oval balls, and then they deep fry it. They're Ooh. delicious, and they they are 
ubiquitous at parties. Any event, <laughs> any parties, the the cod balls are there. <laughs> <laughs> the deep yeah. fried cod fritters. Yeah. Yes. Do those have a name? Uh, yes, they're called pastiche de bacalao. Very nice. Yes. Okay, so there's your bacalao, bacalao, mm-hmm. your sort of uh, bacalao one-on-one. Um, but there are other kinds of fish as well. Like, sure. for example, if you go to the fish market, Koreans love mackerel. There's so much mackerel, um, and it's so cheap, too. Like, fish ma- is dirt yeah. cheap in Portugal. It's ridiculous. A Portuguese fish market must be just amazing. Right. And sardines, which are grilled with just a little bit of sea salt. Um, it's sardine season right now from uh, June to October. They're fatty. They're big. Not the tiny little sardines we uh-huh. see, we're used to seeing. Um, there's lots of other fish. They eat eel as well. Yeah. Yeah. Koreans Grilled. love eel. Similar to the way Koreans um, do it. Grilled. What, yeah. What Portuguese do is they actually make it into soups, like stews. Oh, wow. Yeah. There's a calderada de, of eel, which is basically a soup with lots of um, uh, red bell peppers and onions and potatoes, and it's infused with saffron. Soup is very important in Portugal. I have to mention, like Korea, yeah. Portuguese love their soup. Okay. So there is soup at pretty much every meal. And uh, it's not served with rice, like the way Koreans eat it, but it's always constitute an important part of the meal. It's served first. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting that they make eel into soups. I would have thought eel is too greasy to be in soups. You know? uh, these are different kinds of eels, actually. There's the smaller uh-huh. eels. Uh-huh. They're, they're, they're much thinner, smaller bones. So these eels, they're, the head's chopped off and they're put whole into soup. So I had this at uh, this, the seaside re- resort area we were staying at. Mm. And um, it's a local specialty there. And uh, there was a huge pot of it <laughs> for two people. Mm. And there, there, there were at least three dozen eels in there. Wow. Yeah. Teeny tiny ones, and you can eat them bones and all. Uh, bones, well, you can try. They're, they're definitely smaller than the, the the eels we have in Korea. Okay. Uh, but yeah, the bones. But they're not will, filleted. They no. just throw them in there like that. Whole. Whole. You would you would want to remove the the, the bone. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you kind of strip those as you eat them, I guess, right? Right. And uh, there's a lot of octopus, squid. So we had this one seafood dinner one night. Uh, we went to a restaurant. We did a bunch of takeout. It reminded me of a meal at the Noryangjin Fish Market. Sure. Yeah. You know, you order a bunch of this and that, and then there's a big spread, um, and we just went at it. Have you ever tried gooseneck barnacles? Not that I'm aware of. Are these yeah. like little teeny periwinkle type deals? Uh, no, periwinkles are more like kulbengi in okay. Korea, which are consumed a lot in Portugal. They're everywhere, as well as like various clams. But uh, gooseneck barnacles look like, Koreans call them kobuksun because they resemble the shape of a, a turtle f- foot. Okay, wow. Yeah, and uh, these are consumed m- mainly in Spain and Portugal. They're delicacies, and they're very, very expensive. Uh, in Portugal, they're significantly cheaper. But in America, they're starting to recognize the the, the value of these um, the seafood. And I heard that in Oregon, they harvest these gooseneck particles. They grow on the rocks where the the waves are really, really rough. Yeah. Um, that's how they form the mussels, which we eat actually. The, which is so basically the, the foot, which they use to clamp on, right? Uh, yes, exactly. Those are the mussels mm. um, that we eat. Mm. Uh, gooseneck barnacles, and uh, there's lots of squid, cuttlefish, crab, shrimp, clams. Yeah. Barnacles. I don't know as though I've eaten barnacles. I'm going to uh, check that out. What's the, you said that they have a, a name in Korean? The turtle foot? Yes. Kobuk-son. Like hand. Ah. 
Yeah. And, and those are available, like, if I... In Korea, yes, they are. I, I've seen photos of them. Um, people eat them south yeah. um, in the coastal regions. My mom said they weren't traditionally eaten by, like, you know, just mainlanders. They were eaten by, like, islanders, right? Um, but they're being more and more recognized globally, I think. That's a new one. I'm going to look for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I uh, haven't heard of that before. So, like, okay. Korea, lots of fish, grilled fish. Um, they boil their fish, too. Yeah. They put into soups. They love their fish, the Portuguese. Do they? They must do something uh, equivalent to like a Spanish paella with seafood, right? Oh yes, there is a. So paella is basically like rice cooked in uh, a really rich stock, and mm. their their the original version comes from Shopping Valencia. Clam. There's like rabbit meat and uh, you know beans and stuff like that. But there is kind of a similar version in Portugal. They make a seafood rice with lots of so there's like you know bits of lobster, shrimp, awesome. uh, lots of clams, mussels. So it's ba- and it's based it's saffron based mm-hmm. stock uh, with a little bit of tomato so it's kind of like reddish in color orangey in color mm. um, it's it's a cross between a paella and a risotto basically but the rice is softer for sure it's a wine producing country too right oh Portugal I'm is a you don't huge see much Portuguese wine around wine producing yeah. company port wine is yeah. where port ah, port yes Got that's it. it's from Portugal it can't be called Porto. Or port wine, unless it's produced in the in the region, That's in the Dura region. Kind of thing, yes, huh? of Portugal. How about uh, meat dishes? Is the, I mean, they yes. eat a lot of seafood, but meat is huge in Portugal as well. Beef and pork being the most predominantly consumed meat. Um, pork. Portuguese love pork. Koreans love their samgyeopsal, and uh, you know Koreans eat a lot of like pork ribs. But uh, Portuguese love their pork as well. They salt it. Um, they they. It's actually right now the the suckling pig festival season. Is that <laughs> yeah? Up north, uh, you know, suckling pigs are roasted whole, um, and they're just delicious. And the skin is like you know almost like potato chip, like thin right. and crisp, and the, all the meat under it is because it's a baby pig. The meat is almost like a suyuk. It's so soft, right? Right. Um, and they eat it with uh, freshly sliced oranges. That's tradition there. Oh, interesting. And, and, you know, like Korea and many other countries, meat was historically predominantly for the privilege mm-hmm. to class, the sure. upper classes back in the days. Um, but uh, one thing about Portugal that I want to mention when it comes to meat is that they really love their awful as well. Koreans love intestines, right? Yeah. Yeah. They, the awful, like the guts, basically. Yeah, the guts. Koreans, yeah. what, Organs. Koreans grill them, like kupchang and, you know, taekchang, makchang, and they Koreans throw into soups, like chungul and stuff like that. But um, Portuguese love their tripe mm. and their liver and lungs and all that stuff, especially in the Porto region where the wine is produced, mm. right? So it's like Korea. They eat everything but the oink. Yeah, they eat everything pretty much. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are lots of dishes where rice is cooked in a stock and, uh, you know, they add blood to it. For example, there's this famous Portuguese chicken rice. You don't have to add chicken blood to it, but um, some people like to, to add flavor and a, you know, a depthness of flavor, a depth of flavor. And uh, there's this other dish as well they, where they add pork blood. So blood and offal, it, it's commonly consumed. They must make their own sort of blood sausages and stuff like that too, right? Lots of sausage. Udana kind of stuff. Yeah. A mm. lot of different sausages, a lot of different meat. Offal, O-F-F-A-L. You know, this is one dish that I really want to mention because last year when I was there for my wedding, um, the day after the wedding, my mother-in-law threw a big party in her garden. So it's like all the relatives and all of our, our friends who flew in from like Korea and different parts of the world. So there was this one dish that all the Koreans just kept going back for. It was like a big pot of rice. It's a big pot of chicken rice. Mm. And everyone says, oh my gosh, this 
tastes exactly like Korean chicken, juk, mm. you know, takjuk. Makes sense. Yeah. So it's a chicken rice. Um, the ingredients that go in there, like for example, there's a lot of bay leaf in a Portuguese cuisine and a lot of saffron. That is not very similar to Korean cuisine, mm. but the taste of it tastes very much like uh, Korean cuisine. And um, a lot of historians say that Portugal, because, you know, it, it rule, it, you know, Macau and all that stuff. So when you. Um, when you conquer a, a, a country, for example, when you take over a culture, you influence both. The influence is both ways. The mm, Portuguese, not just trade. it's a two-way trade. The Portuguese cuisine influenced like the Macau cuisine, and you know, vice versa. So this chicken rice is very much like Asian congee. Okay. So they're saying that maybe this Portuguese chicken rice, which is very typical, um, came from Asia, and it really did remind me. Does remind me of the kind of like the chicken porridge that Koreans eat here. I used to go to Macau a lot mm-hmm. when I lived in Hong Kong for Portuguese food. Right. We would get rabbit stew there and mm-hmm. there was this joint that did uh, Portuguese clams and in both cases I remember garlic being a big deal. Garlic is in pretty much every cuisine. Mm. Yeah. There's always garlic in every household. Garlic and also peppers, like chili peppers. And you have to remember, Korean kimchi back in the days, like 200 years ago, wasn't red like we know it nowadays we talked about this on the show but the the red chili peppers were in fact introduced to korea via japan by the portuguese traders so is portuguese food a spicy food overall i it's a different kind of spicy there's definitely a kick to many of the dishes and piri piri those like tiny red uh bird's eye chili peppers uh-huh. are added to a lot of the cuisine for example the portuguese love their chicken they roast it whole and what they do is they put a rub on it and there's always piri piri chili powder in there so it's not like piri piri. It's called piri piri. Piri piri. Piri piri. Oh, P I R I. I think I've seen yeah, that. Yeah, P R I I P I R I. Okay, piri yeah. piri. Yeah, and uh, those chili peppers are you know consumed you know fresh or they're dried and ground up into powder, and that's added to a lot of the dishes as well for that um, kick. Portuguese cuisine is not like in your face spicy, but there it, it's it's got that like warmth. You know, the, the, the mild spiciness that comes from these uh, piri piri chili peppers. Mm. When I think of European food, mm-hmm. generally it's, it's more bread and potato oriented and Asian food is rice. Yeah. Is, but you've brought up rice several times. Is Portuguese more distributedly, more evenly distributed between bread, rice, potatoes? You know, the interesting thing about Portugal is that there's not much noodles in terms of like local really? cuisine. Mm. Sure, there's a lot of pasta, but pasta isn't Portuguese cuisine, right? right? It's, it's Italian. Uh, and a lot of people do eat pasta, but that's, it's not their typical, you it's, know. It's an import. It's an import. But what they do love is potatoes. There's potatoes at every meal and also rice. So one thing that I found super interesting during my first few visits to Portugal is that when you order like a main dish of whether it's like a grilled fish or whether it's a, it's a steak or a, a roast chicken, it's always accompanied by side dishes. And there's always like some sort of potatoes, whether it's boiled and sliced, drizzled with a little bit of olive oil mm. and parsley or Portuguese love French fries, like fried potatoes. Okay. And because Portugal has amazing potatoes, <laughs> these fried potatoes are just to die for. I just can't stop eating them. And they're so yellow, too, when they're fried. Yeah. And you would think, okay, side dishes, potatoes. Yes? No. No. There's always rice. Potatoes rice and rice are okay. always served together, even oh, on the same plate. That's interesting. Right. Wow. So there's, if you order like a, a plate of something, like a chicken, it always comes with a little bit of rice and a little bit of potatoes, too. 
balanced. Our, you know, my impression of Portuguese mm-hmm. is that they don't narf their food, that like they take a long time to As go is through. the case in many European cultures. Right? That's true. Even lunch. Lunch begins kind of late. Uh, usually begins around 1 p.m. Uh, the lunch usually lasts for at least one hour. If you go to a restaurant, expect to be there for at least two hours really? because food comes out late. Is lunch the big deal or is it dinner time? Um, both. Really? Yeah. Okay. I would in say a hot lunch culture like that. Sometimes would, they wait until late to eat. Yeah, I don't know. Portuguese Portuguese have they have big appetites. Yeah, you go to a restaurant and the the portions are really really large. Mm. So for people, I don't know. Koreans eat a lot too, but um, a lot of the times when my friends visit Portugal, they often say, "Oh, I ordered a dish to mm. share with someone." Um, they're they're big. The portions are very, very large. And everybody, you know, because the Korean food, they kind of put it in the middle and everybody mm-hmm. kind of works on the middle thing. Uh-huh. Is it uh, very European in Portugal where you get your own plate of food, each person? Or? Yeah, that, yeah. People don't order to share, generally. Okay. You, you get your own plate of food, but they're just really large in portions. So yeah. I would share. Um, I would order something and my husband would order something and we would just share the dish. That's, oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, I have to say rice is omnipresent. In in Portugal, like Korea, they love their rice. the The way they cook it is different, though. Koreans just like kind of like you know you they boil the rice, Steamed right? Or Steam or boil the rice. Um, Portuguese add olive oil always, and there's always salt in there, so it's seasoned mm. rice, and it's it's really nice. What's the role of cheese? I mean, next door is Spain and France. Mm-hmm. Portugal must be in that league of oh, yeah, fantastic cheese, right? Of course. There's lots of cheese in Portugal. There's cow milk cheese. There's sheep milk, goat milk. Sometimes uh, the, the different kinds of milks are blended together. Um, cheese is definitely big in Portugal as well. And yet, f- from cheese to wine mm-hmm. to many products, I don't see them represented on the store shelves with the same Power exporting as France power or as Italy. France or Spain or yeah, Italy. you're right. Why, why? Portuguese cuisine, just in general, is not as well known yeah. outside of its borders, mm. um, which is a shame because um, you know a lot of Koreans that I know who have visited Portugal say, "Wow, Portuguese cuisine is fantastic." It's it's um, it's aggressively seasoned. It's a little bit on the salty side. Um, I would say you know Koreans say "hangugini mazemada," right? So it it really caters to the palate of Koreans. It just clicks right. with Koreans. Yeah. So I've got, I can teleport to Portugal for an hour and have the mm-hmm. absolute stereotypical meal. What am I eating? Bacalao. Bacalao. Yes. Bacalao. And maybe like a soup, like caldo verde, which literally means green broth. It's, green. yeah, green broth. Green. What, what, what's it's in made there to with make it a green? Swiss chard, kunde, uh, or um, it can be made with kale as well, and there's potatoes in there. Nice. So yeah, it's a national verde, soup. The national soup, caldo verde, yes. bacalao. Maybe um, I've got some offal as well. Some uh, tripe, tripe. If you liver. go to Porto, tripe is always cooked with like white beans in Porto, um, and finish it off with dessert. Um, the Portuguese rice pudding is famous as well. Really? Yeah, rice pudding with its in this like custardy sauce, oh, yeah. sprinkled always with cinnamon. There's a lot of cinnamon in Portuguese cuisine. My dad was crazy about rice pudding. He oh, really? loved Portugal. Uh-huh. I think. And um, decent, uh, and of course, uh, you know the, the famous egg, egg tarts. Of course, the pastel oh, de Portuguese. I, I think of Macau, oh, yeah, yeah. but I always, I, I guess, yeah, it's it from Portugal. Yeah, it does trace back, doesn't it? Right. There's a lot of egg in Portuguese desserts. A lot of egg, a lot of custard, lots of meat, lots of seafood, lots of rice, garlic, peppers. <laughs> Ooh, wee! And now I want to go. Next time, I insist you take me along. Okay? Oh yeah, I'm just going to stow away. Yerika, good stuff. Thank you very much for coming in. You're welcome.